Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Welcome to Land Sharks After Dark, your favorite podcast about the Old Miss Rebels. I'm your host, Justin Sanders. Joining me this week, just like every week, got my co-host, John Stefanczyk. John, how you doing, buddy? Doing good. Not Diamond Rebs rolling along. That's right. That's right. Yeah, that's right. we're here to talk about uh, good news only, uh, as this show is known for. We, we would never report on anything uh, not positive for the Rebs. Good news and fun facts at the end. We're going to do fun facts at the end of this. Show. Oh, you got fun facts for me? Nice. No, I, I, I I'm fun, joking. Fun contractual facts. Fun, fun contractual facts. Yeah, yeah I, I can think of one. Um, of course, I'm joking. We we did an entire episode about the uh, the serious trouble that Old Miss's football program is in. You can find that on the iTunes feed. I actually, at the time of this recording, I keep forgetting to uh, have an, uh, get an episode page. Set up for that, but probably by the time you hear this, I'll have one for this episode and for that episode. So if you haven't heard it, maybe you're one of our Android listeners, you can head on over to LandSharksAfterDark.com. Check out that 2017 Week 7 addendum, and you got about a about an hour of uh, solid NCAA misery to wallow in there. So I, I, was, I think we did a good job on that episode. We probably... We, go ahead. The cliff notes is that we concluded in the state that... The, the structure of education in Mississippi is not conducive to Ole Miss winning in football. That was basically <laughs> that was that was we a, got to that point. That was a conclusion for sure. Um, obviously, if you want to know, I think uh, our predictions we kind of did more of a probability. This is the most likely, second most likely, etc. On what's going to happen with the NCAA. Check that episode out. I was going to say. We won't spend a ton of time on it necessarily in a focused way, but obviously we're going to be talking about it a lot in the coming days. Uh, Old Miss currently still preparing their response to uh, the notice of allegations from the NCAA that they'll take in front of the Committee on Infractions. All of that. We'll stay abreast of the process. Don't worry. I mean, that's that's a solid uh, majority of chatter on Ole Miss sites these days. So we're, we're definitely not losing sight of that. But as I said... If you want a complete picture of the new allegations, what we think they mean for the program, all of that, check out the episode from Saturday. Um, It'll be on the website. It'll be in the feed. But this is a regular episode. We're going to talk about the sports that are actually in season for the most part. Obviously, being an SEC podcast, we, uh, we do have a distinct football flavor, but... Big basketball and baseball fans as well. Uh, Ole Miss basketball, right on the end of their season here, a couple SEC games left. Got the SEC tournament in Nashville. We're going to start by talking about this baseball team. Obviously, if you're an Ole Miss fan, you're probably excited about these guys. We've been talking about them for a few weeks now. Uh, so far, through seven games, they uh, faced some adversity, but they've answered back in a big way every time, sitting at 7-0. and um, You know, John... They haven't necessarily played any powerhouses, but if the rankings are to be believed, they've played a very solid schedule so far. Uh, Even after sweeping ECU, they're still held in very high regard by a lot of polls. ECU, that is, uh, actually ranked above Ole Miss, I think, in most polls. 
Um, it, obviously, over the next couple of months, we're going to see a lot more out of this team. Actually, over the next few days, uh, they got Memphis tomorrow night, recording this on Monday, so on Tuesday. And then a uh, huge weekend coming up in Houston. I think it's the Shriners, Shriners Classic. It's like a children's hospital, kind of like a Blairy Batson or uh, – What's the one? What's the one in Memphis? Is that Batson, John? No, that's St. Jude's, kind of like that, I think. Um, Memphis resident Justin Timberlake has the Shriners Hospital for Kids open on the PGA Tour. I don't know. Oh, interesting. Well, yeah, this is a baseball tournament with the same sponsor. Um, it's a little SEC Big Twelve challenge set up. We're going with LSU and A and M, but we don't play each other. We just kind of round robin across with the Big Twelve teams. Uh, those teams are Baylor. TCU and did I forget the last one? I got it pulled up here. Houston, right? Uh, Texas Tech, Texas Tech. I don't know how I forgot that. I I knew that one for sure. So on Friday at noon, Ole Miss plays Baylor. Saturday at noon, they got Texas Tech, and Sunday at one thirty, TCU. All times are central there, so you got to adjust an hour for you, John. TCU, number one team in the country. Texas Texas Tech, number ten, I think. Was a national. Yeah. What are they ranked? Very solid. I think around number 10. They're a top 10 team in a they lot of polls. They were a national seed last year. Yeah, so, so it's great competition. Uh, great uh, chance for these young Ole Miss players to get a taste of what it's going to be like to go against top-line talent in the SEC. Yeah, I mean, this team is it's young, but it's talented. I mean, they yeah. do some freshman stuff, but it's I mean, so far I, they're John, I think I think through seven games, a lot of the narrative around these kids and what makes them what they've been so far has to do with travel baseball. I don't know if you've heard that, but it seems like these kids play travel baseball for years. They get used to playing against the high-level talent. They get used to the pressures of uh, the big stage. I mean, they've probably never played in front of a crowd the size of uh, an Ole Miss Saturday crowd, but still big crowds on these travel circuits. Um, and they just seem really mature for freshmen. Ole Miss is, is consistently starting uh, four freshmen in the lineup. Uh, you got Cooper Johnson behind the plate, Cole Zabowski at first, actually five, Greg Kessinger at shortstop, uh, Thomas Dillard in left field, and then uh, I thought I thought of a, a fifth one. Maybe just four consistently, but tons of freshman arms. Some dude named Brian Seamster comes in in the eighth yeah. inning. Saturday and it's a two-run dinger to take the lead. It was a good one too. It was a, he got all of that one. Yeah, I mean there's there's random talent all over the roster that either freshmen or transfers, guys that are stepping in for the first time. So far, really impressive. I I want to ask you, John, most impressive freshman, and I think it comes down to two guys so far. If we're talking about their complete games, uh, really. All four of the starters, Johnson and Kessinger, have played some great defense, but I think best freshman performance so far has got to be between Dillard and Zabowski. I mean, they're just yeah. they're just murdering the ball at the plate, uh, and Zabowski's playing great defense at first base, and I think Dillard's going to be a very serviceable left fielder. I'd say two today, I'd go Zabowski. Yeah. Well, and, and Dillard also didn't play on Sunday, and I don't think he played in the midweek game, so he hasn't had quite as many at-bats, but they're both batting around 500, uh, seeing all types of pitches. I mean, a lot of times with freshmen, you hear, you know, early in the season, they're going to get a lot of pitches to hit, scouting reports are going to come out, et cetera, et cetera. Obviously, that can still happen, but I'm actually excited to see Zabowski and Dillard take some uh, some tougher pitches because they've been handling everything so well for freshmen. It's, it's really great. 
Yeah, Greg Kessinger's settled into what he. I think he's going. I be. think he's going to be better than Errol Robinson defensively. A better version of freshman yeah. Errol Robinson. That's exciting because Errol was a shutdown shortstop defensively for for two and a half, three years. I think Kessinger will easily do that. It's 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 yeah. great. He 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 took he he saved runs yesterday. Yes. I mean, and, and, and we've talked about Johnson. Uh, he's just going to be steady back there. He had the the winning play yesterday on Sunday. Uh, to catch a pop-up behind the plate. Um, I still don't think anybody's stolen a base on him. He's 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 going to be special for sure. Yeah, he's already special defensively. Yeah. Big, big takeaway this weekend. One, or one of the takeaways is the st- starting pitching was terrific this weekend. Parkinson yeah, I think, goes, I think they had no hitters going into four or five two every runs, day. One earned run. Yeah. Uh, MacArthur six innings, two hits, and he had a, he had a no hitter going into the sixth. Yeah, eleven strikeouts. He was dominant. He was, and then Flagel looked good yesterday too. Five innings, three hits, and a run. Yep. Yeah. Uh, Agnazzi had a good relief outing. Uh, Wolf, Stokes. I think Wolfick gave up his first hit of the year, but still no earned runs yeah, and tons he of strikeouts. Up a mess in the ninth yesterday, yep. Stokes. Stokey, I think Wolf Falk is already. It's clear he's surpassed Stokes yeah. in terms of being the the closer. Yeah, I think in high high pressure innings, they're going to turn to Wolf Falk before they turn to Stokes. I would hope. So far, he's been better. We'll see. Yeah, he, he he's been top of the line dominant closer. Well, he's and, got the. And when you see and to, to to temper this discussion of pitching, when you see UNCW, you maybe think. That you know that could be a no-name team, but they're they're really solid offensively. Judging from last year, I think they had seven guys back from a team that uh, was top ten in hits, home runs, uh, batting average, RBI. They they hit a ton, and they have uh, one kid. I think his name was Fight Nick Fight. He hit a couple home runs on Ole Miss, made it tight at times, but uh, it really the fact that he only had a couple home runs, I think, was uh, a testament to Ole Miss's pitch. And he had something like 27 last season with 91 RBIs, I think. So this is a club that uh, you definitely aren't confident pitching against, but I think our pitchers actually did pretty well against them when it's, when it's all said and done. Uh, I would agree with that. I mean, the staff's been good overall this year. Mm-hmm. A lot of arms there. Yeah, a yeah, lot, a lot, of, a lot. A lot of options. Offense was good. Bortles starting to hit. Oh, we should mention, uh, I mean, I guess we talked about it last week because he recorded right after the game, but Etheridge had a stellar start in that midweek. I, I think we did talk about it, but he's. it's going to be interesting as the season progresses because, as you said, Parkinson, MacArthur, Feigl, they're all really good. But, I mean, Rollison and Etheridge, the freshman starters, have crazy high ceilings. I mean, who knows how fast they come along. You, you, you probably keep them in the bullpen in the midweek for now. Uh, but just think about once you, once you get to an NCAA regional, having a fourth starter like that is going to be crazy valuable. Yes, that's very true. I'm curious to see, can Parkinson keep it up and be the Friday guy? Or, they, they got to or do does something? he get pushed off? I mean, MacArthur is more of the prototypical Friday arm, right? Yeah, and that would, could, I could see that. Yeah, and then if MacArthur, MacArthur keeps doing well, you move him up. That makes sense. Yeah, and then you could put Parkinson in the middle. He can be the Saturday guy. So lefty splits the righties. We'll see how it. Yeah, or or I'd say if if a Rollison or Etheridge comes along, you think about placing them on Saturday or Sunday. And maybe I mean Parkinson was a huge asset out of the pen last year. 
It just depends. I mean, as you mentioned, yesterday in the ninth inning, Connor Green came in. He's been really solid through his career at Ole Miss, but he completely melted down, walked in a couple of runs, had, I'm not, I didn't count, but at least five or six walks in the inning. Uh, this is at a point where Ole Miss is up by like five or six, so Bianco gave him a long leash. Um, but it, I think it depends on guys like that. If, if Green can return to form and be that guy that can eat up a couple innings in the middle of a game, you won't need Parkinson out of the pen. Um, but that stability might be necessary. I don't know. The middle relief is maybe where the question mark is, although Pagnazzi is very solid. I think the bullpen's good. It's, I mean, you're going to have a couple shaky outings here and there. It's just just how it works. But really, I mean, the thing, I mean, really the big, the only real weakness of this team right now is they've, there's, there, you see a freshman moment every now and then, but thus far they've been pretty. Yeah. They've been few and far between, and like yeah. we said, there's a lot of talent on it. They've, they've actually kind of, they've really developed a nice lineup here, where they can go, some combination of Olenek or Blackman at the top. Mm-hmm. You can put Golson in the three hole. You can have some combination of Bortles, Dillard, Zabowski. Basically, you can go righty lefty, righty lefty, or vice versa, three through six. Three through seven here. And, and Cockrell as well. Cockrell's in there, and then yeah. Cooper Johnson and Kessinger are the eight, nine holes, and you just let Yeah, them. they they look good in those spots. Kessinger especially, I think, is going to be very productive in the nine hole this year. And yeah, honestly, any offense you get out of Johnson is uh, is Lanyap. So the fact that he had some productive uh, at-bats in the series was great news. He got some bunts down, had a sack fly, uh, I think maybe even a single for an RBI. So them being productive at the bottom of the order is really going to help keep the offense humming. The other thing too, we love Olenek. Yes. He's a, he, I'd like to see his defense improve in center. Yeah, absolutely. It's a big question. I feel much better about him in the corner, in a corner outfield spot. Watson's your best uh, defensive center fielder. See, that's, so that's definitely the problem, right? I mean, this team, I, I think the infield defense is very solid, but the outfielders, the opposite of that. I mean, they're very shaky. Golson's a decent right fielder, but besides that, it's it's a question mark. I think Golson's a solid right fielder. I think Olenek's a solid right fielder. Oh, Olenek was great as a right fielder last season, but he's, an he's playing center right now. He's a developing center fielder, and then Dillard you're putting in left and saying. Just for the bat, yeah. You're just trying to hide Dillard over there. Yeah, and, he, and Dillard will fit, Dillard will get better. I, mean, I think Dillard a, actually will be pretty dependable, a la Kyle, Kyle Schwarber, who's got to eat up a lot of take a lot of starts in left field for the Cubs. Um, yeah. I think Dillard he, he definitely has surprising speed. We've seen him steal bases. Uh, he's a good base runner. We've seen it a little bit in the outfield. He just has to work on those reads. I I'm I'm more worried about center field than left field for sure. For sure, I would agree with that. I think Olenek will get. I think he'll improve as just the, as it plays on this year. But, yeah, see, um, the, the thing about Olenek is he's being asked to do a lot right now. Like he he needs yeah. to be getting better at center field, but he also is being expected to either lead off or bat second, and that's a whole different set of responsibilities. That can be a mental task, you know, being a leadoff hitter and trying not to go up there and line out immediately or swing at bad pitches. I mean, there's a there's a lot of mental strain right now on Olenek, I think. And the fact that he was suspended for some dumb altercation with the students probably didn't help that. Yeah, I don't know. I think it's a little... 
I, I'm I not would, saying he can't handle it. I'm just saying that's a lot. Yeah, he's a sophomore. There's more. There's more burden on you being an experienced guy, yeah. especially with the because really everything he did last season was kind of just like raw, and it was all um, bo- it was all bonus. Yeah, it was all bonus. But he's a he's an integral part of this team, more on defense than offense, but on offense too. I mean, they, yeah. Ole Miss needs a lot out of him this year. Yeah, uh, but, I think. Fine. Yeah, through really? seven games, he's done more than like a a Colby Bortles or a Tate Blackman. Although they're both yeah. coming, they're both coming on here. Yeah, I mean, really, the, if you're going to critique this team, it's outfield defense. Yeah, infield defense is very good. Actually, I, th- I think so. Yeah, very solid. The best def- it's the best defensive infield team I can remember. Honestly, if you really, if I really were to sit here, well, uh, well, did Golson Golson played second last year. Golson played second, played third. I mean, Blackman played second too. Wait, no, wait. Who was was Golson the first baseman last year? Who was the everyday first baseman? It must it must have been Golson? It was Golson. Golson, yeah, yeah. Because Bortles has played third the whole time. So yeah, yeah I'd say Zabowski at first, and then switch Robinson for Kessinger. It's an upgrade. Ben Simmons played some first too, and they kicked Golson to the outfield. Yeah, it's an upgrade though on defense. Yeah. For sure, yeah. Zabowski has really impressed me at first. He's gonna he's gonna start at first base all three or four years. He's at Ole Miss. I'm pretty sure. The the best the best old the best Ole Miss defensive outfield was 2014. Yes, I was I was, I was I was I was member burying them a little bit yesterday. I mean, because they don't have a prototypical leadoff hitter on this team. And they right. haven't had one since Braxton Lee. Oh, he was great. He was great. Very Braxton Lee's there one year underappreciated player. He was great. Really, really a good fit for the leadoff. He's better than Tanner Mathis. Tanner Mathis was sneaky slow. Tanner Mathis was sneaky bad. Yeah. Lee was, I mean, left-handed, played. um, He had a slump there for about a month, but came out of it. It was really developed. Tough base runner. Tremendous defensive outfielder. Good range, big arm, would throw his body against the wall, take away doubles, take away home runs. He, I mean, think about the combination of him, Bosfield, Bousfield, however, however you're supposed to pronounce his name. I mean, and then it was a, it was a combination of oh, James, yeah, Bousfield, yeah, Woodman in right field. I mean, yeah, that, that was it was really solid. That was literally the no fly zone. Yeah, Braxton is uh, with the Montgomery Biscuits, and Tanner is, I'm assuming, selling insurance, something like that. And he's tweeting about uh, yeah, but he's. Mis- Maybe snitches or something like that. But he's not—he's so. not playing. That's—that's uh, that's for sure. Nope. Well. Yep. Um. Yeah. So as we mentioned, Memphis. I think in Oxford. Probably uh, the day you're hearing this, listen on Tuesday on Tuesday night. Uh, that, I mean, it'll be a good game. Memphis always uh, gets up to play on missing baseball, but you got to think this is one of those years where. I, I hope. I hope in this game and the Southern Miss game, we see a big divide between the clubs because if Ole Miss actually wants to be, you know, in the National C conversation, and when you're seven and zero and playing the people you've played, I think that needs to become your goal. Uh, you need to beat these teams easily, and these are the teams that give Ole Miss hell in the down years. You know what I mean? I think this team is a. It's a regional. I think it's a very good have a good shot at hosting. Mm-hmm. I think. Uh, I mean, outfield defense. I can get away. I, Friday night pitching is what I'm curious. Is what I'm really curious to see in conference play. 
I think they'll get better defensively in the outfield as it goes on. The freshmen will get more experience, et cetera. I think Black, it looks like Blackman and Bortles are starting to pick up, so they'll come on. I mean, Bortles hit a, hit a rocket out of there. Colby, Colby is really good at, at certain things, but Jesus, he still cannot lay off a breaking ball. Pretty funny. But it is funny. He's a senior. Friday night starting pitching is really where I'm curious to see how they hold up there. Because I think Feigl on Sundays, he's not going to be perfect every outing, but he's going to probably give you, of the 10 conference outings, he'll give you three or four where he is. He really pitches. good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he, he's a weapon. I mean, remember when we thought Sam Smith was a weapon on Sundays? back? Yeah, that's, that's actually really funny. There's so many better options now. He's actually like going to be a weapon there. MacArthur's a very. I mean, MacArthur can be. He can be your second. He could be. He 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 could be the Friday guy. He's capable of it. I'm not sure if it's really. He looked the Friday part on Saturday this weekend. Yeah, Parkinson gets out there though and throws first pitch strikes. I mean, that's really. We'll yeah. see, see how that plays out. So I mean, they're. He's good. Parkinson mentally, I think, is the most mature on the pitching staff. I would agree, and he, he throws strikes. It makes the other team beat him. Right, is, and, and that's a valuable asset in a Friday night starter. You know, the who's the game. who's the LSU starter? Is it Alex Jared, Lane? Jared Poche. The other dude. Yeah, so I want to go ahead and say I I meant to dog him on last week's show for throwing a seven uh, seven inning no hitter. That's not a real no hitter. I almost had to eat my words in a big way. Uh, because he almost threw a nine inning no hitter in his next outing, but he got hit in the top of the ninth. So I was like, well, he threw an eight inning no hitter. I, mean, I know that's, a that's longer. Right. I know that's longer than the one he was proud of. Maybe, the week maybe he'll throw a nine inning no hitter this week, and then the revisionist history can occur. It'd be kind of fun. Pretty so. much, yeah. I, yeah. It's still though. Is it <laughs> who's the Lang, is it Alex Lang at the dude's name? The, I, the, I think so. Yeah. He's, I mean, we almost doesn't have that type of, of course that he's, he's been around for three. This is his junior year. I mean, he's, well, he's pr- proven established, but I mean, Rollison could be that good, but not, the, not yet. MacArthur on his best night can go out there and compete with him. But. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't even realize Alex Lang was still there. So Jared Poche and Alex Lang on that staff. This is not fair, man. LSU yeah. pitching is Hell, not, three is in the not country fair. Whatever they are. I mean, they're it's ridiculous. Do we play them in Baton Rouge? Um, I think yeah, I think you asked yeah. me that after the last show. I think we did. Yes, because last year is when they came to Oxford and Maneri complained about the beer showers. And said, Woodman had. Well, yeah, they won the right. series, but Woodman had an early shower. Yeah, yeah, yeah. God, I hate LSU, especially in baseball. Ridiculous. Um, let's see. State lost to Marist, I think. They, you know, that night that we recorded last week, they uh, they blew like a nine-run lead in the ninth inning. Did you hear about that? Yeah, I mean that's not their number one priority right now. So. Yeah, no, it was during it was during the first half of that Ole Miss State game. It's like who's co- who's coaching State now? Is it the Auburn it's, pitching coach? No, it's the LSU pitching coach. His name's uh, Andy Canizzaro, I think. I might okay. have the, I might have the Andy part wrong, but his last name's definitely Canizzaro. Canizzaro. Are they any good this year? Well, as I I think they've lost three so far. As I said, they they blew a. Uh, a nine-run lead to like some no-name team. Hold on, I'll look them up. They won the regular season last year, yeah. correct? Yeah. Well, okay, John. Tell me. Tell me something. 
tell me something. Yeah. When your team wins the SEC regular season yeah. and your and your coach quits, does that mean your roster's looking good for the next season? Uh, well, the coach went and took the cushy AD job, so. But as a rule of thumb, would you say that means the roster is stacked for a championship run the next year? Hmm. To me, it's just very rule of thumb. No, because rule rule of thumb or not rule of thumb necessarily. Like Cohen could have taken that job. I don't know. You know, it's tough because say they make a great hire and then Cohen stuck with a good AD for ten years. Right? He wanted the job now. Still, the other thing they could have done because Strickland left what in October. Yeah, they could have interim for a year. They could have interim and said Cohen's going to be the guy, but he's going to coach one more baseball season. Exactly. they, and they could have cited the fact that they didn't want to have to hire a baseball coach on short terms. So right. They want to. They want to plan out the succession properly. I don't think that you. I don't think that you just bail on your team like that if you really think the roster is looking good for another run. My opinion. I mean, quite honestly, all they would have had to do is just extend the fake the fake AD search. Exactly. And like, exactly. And they already had an interim in place. I think so. It doesn't really matter. Yeah. It was Moorhead State that they blew the the ninth. They ended up losing to Morehead State thirteen to eight on Tuesday, and they lost they lost to Maris on Sunday eight nine, and they lost to Texas Tech in the opener. But obviously Texas Tech is really good, so they have one good win over Texas Tech, and they got a couple bad losses. So I mean, we'll see, we'll see. They have Jake Mangum, as I've said on the show, he's an absolute stud. That kid can play, uh, and I, I think they got another player that's really hot right now, Rooker, I believe. Um, I think the pitching's probably suspect, though, from what I've what I've heard. I hope they had those two dudes. Are they not there? I I think they were hit with a a crazy high amount of injury in the off season. Yeah, I think they had a few a few Tommy John candidates off their starting staff, which sucks. John Cohen, Tommy John, Tommy John enabler. <laughs> yeah. Um, let's see. Oh, Let's see what other what other baseball topics do we have, John? I, I read out the times for uh, that tournament. I I don't think the Ole Miss games are actually going to make it to uh, FS1. I think those are going to be the primetime games, but I'm pretty sure they'll all be streaming on the Fox Sports app. So that's nice. Um, it's in Minute Maid where the Astros play. I don't know if we mentioned that. That's going to be really cool. I mean, that's one of my I haven't been, but that's one of my favorite MLB stadiums just from the design of it. Goofy Olenek playing on the hill. Yeah, there. I know. I, but see, can college hitters actually hit it that far? Um, it's pretty deep. It's way out there. That's a good question. Yeah, I would. I would love to see Olenek play a ball on the hill. That'd be crazy. But I don't know if that's gonna happen. Though they have a they have a short uh, porch and left, right? I imagine that's where the home left field. You can get. get it out of there. Yeah, I imagine that's where the homers will go. But like, I, I really want to go to Minute Maid. I, I'm bummed I'm not going for this tournament, but I'll make it there soon. I, I, my goal is to is to visit all thirty. So far, I've got about three, and they're about to tear down the Atlanta one. So I'm gonna have to mark that one off and and go back to that one. But uh, good progress so far, I know. Um. Pretty much it for baseball. I mean, yeah. Watch the games. We'll, we'll be back. To talk about that next week. Uh, on the basketball front, Ole Miss did go on to win that game that we were 
recording during last week against Mississippi State. I mean, I won't call it an impressive win. It took overtime, and Burnett had like six points or something. But Brian Tyree, pretty damn impressive in that game, John. He was good. Uh, what they went two and zero this week, beating State, Missouri. Uh, let's see, they're who they're seventieth in RPI. Yeah, they are not making this tournament. Um, no, no. Like, there's no path. Well, win the S, win the SS win the tournament. tournament yeah, uh, there's no there's wanted, there's no. Wanted path. to confirm, there's no path. I mean, I don't think there's a whole. They got I it. guess. If they go, who do they have this week? They got Alabama on Wednesday, and then South Carolina on Saturday is a huge game, but I, I'm pretty positive South Carolina is going to stop Ole Miss. They, they look uh, good. They look good. So let's say, what, they're 9-7 and seven in the league right now? Yeah. Let's say they beat Alabama and they lose to Carolina. Do they go to the NIT? I mean. Interesting question. If you're Bjork right now. Does anybody care? If you're Bjork right now. Does it help you to send Ole Miss to the NIT? I think so. It's a distraction. I, I no, you go. Play, I would go play the NIT. Yeah, I think. I well, think especially will. with Terrence Davis, Brian Tyree, you got some young guys. I mean, yeah, they should. As they should a play. fan, I'd be happy with the NIT. More basketball to watch. I, I'm pretty sure that, that they'll take it. They didn't even get invited last year. Yeah, their RPI wasn't a good spot. I, I think it's because... actually gotten harder to get into the NIT because there are a lot of small conferences that get auto qualifiers now. Is that right? I yeah, it's worried. actually more of an accomplishment if you're a Power 5 school to make it to the NIT now than it used to be, I'm pretty sure. It's harder. There are less spots, from what I understand. I mean, if, if they're not going to host a game, though, then who cares? That would be my bit. They're gonna, they would have to like, I, win it. I think... If you're a a big program, it is easier to host though, since there's less spots. I'm not sure though. I yeah. mean, obviously, if Ole Miss got matched up with like the Horizon League champion or something, it would only make sense to host in Oxford. Like that, that's just the logical. Yeah. But I don't. I don't know. We'll, we'll see. Where's what happens. the tournament this year? Nashville again? I would yeah, presume. Yeah, I, I believe so. Yeah. SEC <laughs> at Bridgestone. Arena, uh, yeah, so Alabama on Wednesday is winnable. I haven't watched a single Alabama game this season, I'll admit, but I do know that uh, Avery's team is not yet ready for primetime. I mean, they'll probably play Ole Miss close, and they might win, but I don't think it's necessarily a very good team. Uh, South Carolina plays great defense, if you remember from the, the first game this season, but I think since Ole Miss played them in, uh, that might have been the third game of the SEC slate. Uh, since then, I think their offense has actually improved. Uh, Sundarius Thornwell is having a great season. Um, he's a great player. Uh, I saw they beat, I forget who it was, maybe Florida. No, I don't think it's that. Let me pull it up. But I, they've been trending up lately. I, I don't feel great about that matchup on Saturday. It is at the Pavilion, I think. Um... Actually, they lost to Arkansas, Vandy, and Florida and beat Tennessee. They got stayed on Tuesday. So, I don't know. I, I could be off on that. They did beat Tennessee 82-55, to so that's a pretty solid uh, stomping on a team that split their series with Ole Miss. I don't know. It doesn't really make me feel good, John. South Carolina also will actually have something to play for in that game. They're 21-8. and They're still very much in the hunt. Yeah, no, they, they 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 need the win to kind of solidify their spot in the tournament. If you they will. also they're fourth in the conference right now, so they might be playing to lock in the double buy. So they might not have any margin for error there as well. Uh, 
I think they'll come in and take care of I think so, too. And that'll pretty much be it. Ole Miss will then go to Nashville the week after that. Uh, I mean, obviously, we'll talk about the bracket when it comes out. But barring a magical four-day, four-game run, as John said, probably best-case scenario NIT at that point. Um, and I think we, we gave up on this season a while ago. I mean, this is nothing nothing shocking for us or any listeners of the show, but there are young guys. There are pieces for AK to work with in the offseason. I think he needs to work some of that transfer magic and go try to find a, a serviceable rebounder on the transfer market, bring back Eustace and Hyman, get uh, Ola, Ola Nizjak or whatever his name is, the Drake transfer sitting on the sitting on the bench this season, get him in there, and they could be good next year. I. We've said it relentlessly, but they could be good. Always next year. Always next year. What's Georgia's record? I'm looking at Jerry Palm's bracketology. Does he still have Georgia in? The second team out. That's crazy. I didn't realize how bubbly they were. He kept Tennessee around for a long time, too. I think the bubble field is garbage this year. Georgia's 17-12 and overall. Um, they've they've been hot lately. In the last six games, they only lost to Florida and Kentucky. Fifty sixth in RPI, and they're the second team out. Oof, eight and eight in the league. What? Yeah, it's a it's a garbage bubble this year. Oof, they they must bad. have played a good non conference schedule to be eight in the league and on the bubble. I'm looking at SEC teams that are in his bracket. Florida's a four. Yeah, it's solid. Uh, it's a shame for Ole Miss, Creighton, Middle Tennessee, Tennessee State playing each other as a Yep. Six eleven. Yep. Um could have could have beaten one of those teams, had a good day. I mean Ole Miss isn't there are a couple wins for being in South Carolina's an eight seed, so Yeah. In this bracket we're looking at Kentucky as a three, Arkansas is a ten, so they're they're bubbly. Yeah, that's that's there's a lot of not the last four in, but... Uh, so I guess, I mean, that's still a lot of teams. I guess that means that there are worse big conferences than Ole Miss. This, I mean, I than, than, than the no, SEC this year. I think the Big Ten's having a really pathetic year. Yeah. Looks, yeah, I can't uh, really think of any good Big Ten teams off the top of my head. Michigan State, maybe? I mean, number one seeds, Kansas, Villanova, Louisville, Arizona, or twos, Gonzaga, North Carolina. North Carolina's that good. I didn't realize that. yeah. Classic Four. UNC program, right? Where? How good is Duke this year? What are they projected? Four seed. Yeah. Where, wait, where does he have Kentucky again? Four seed? Uh, either a three or a four. Yeah, that's about, that's about right. I I wouldn't be surprised at all if this Kentucky team exited early and quietly. I think uh, Calipari has some doubts about him as well. Interesting. Yeah, that's what I've heard at least. He, he doesn't think they have that killer instinct. I mean, they've lost to some dumb teams. They're athletic as hell, but yeah, they, I don't know if they have that killer. Right. Of course, you know. Oh, they're athletic as hell. Malik Monk is amazing. De'Aaron Fox also amazing. They have the players, but it's. I, I feel like when teams beat Kentucky, they beat them in the mental game. Yeah, of course. There was that team a few years ago when Florida was really good that got hot late and then got in the tournament and went all the way as an eight seed to the championship game. Yeah. It's pretty crazy. It can happen. I mean, yeah, that's the thing about recruiting the way Kentucky recruits, right, is you're never, ever out of a game or out of a tournament. You always have something in the tank. Nope. And that's that's got to be nice, John, in any sport. Can you imagine? I mean, I guess we're closest to that in baseball. 
Yep. Is there anything to watch with this basketball team though as the season winds yeah, up? Yeah, yeah. I mean, watch Brian. He is he is still recovering from that ACL. I heard Andy Kennedy's pregame on Saturday. I was in the car and uh he was talking about how Brian is isn't anywhere close to as explosive as they think he will be once he's fully recovered. Uh he just started dunking like four, uh, five or six uh, games ago, not actually in the games, but in practice. And then obviously when he dunked in that Mississippi State game, that was the first time he'd done it uh, in a game. He did it three or four times. It was pretty dope. So, I mean, so we could see a notable jump in his notable. Yes, yes. this kid, this kid is crazy athletic. I think the biggest jump you're going to see in his game is scoring. I mean, he can handle the ball. He can pass. But I think he's going to become – that dynamic get to the rim when you need a basket type guy next season. And it's going to be really I mean, fun to watch. You're looking at Tyree, Terrence Davis, DeAndre Burnett. Cullen Neal's back for another year. Cullen Neal can be a two guard. I mean, yeah, he's I mean, Cullen Neal, AK has really figured out how to use him just to shoot front, threes. They got the seven footer. They could use another front court guy or two, but like the guards are there. The guard. Here's the, here's the thing that I really, this, what's what's got this team def- defensively is average, maybe. They've had good defensive games. I see the th- okay. Here's the thing about all AK teams is like yeah. sometimes, and I think what it is is against teams that aren't that well coached and don't really know how to handle the changing defense thing. It, it's really yeah. it's really effective. But some, but there are lots of games where no matter what AK calls, his team cannot stop the other team. And I don't know if it's a scheme deficiency or what. But I, I think a lot of their success just comes from the confusion the shifting defenses brings. That's my best guess. It's, it's fair theory. Yeah, it's a theory. It's definitely a theory. I mean, perimeter shooting is obviously a problem, but they also we also play a lot of zone, and that's kind of a just a natural outcome of the zone. Yep. I don't know. Basically, Ole Miss plays good defense against bad offensive teams and plays poor defense against good offensive teams. It's like a solid, mediocre type of relationship. That mediocre we defense, and they, they don't play cohesively together as well. As, but no, no. And, and, and so that's the good news about bringing back a, a big core of players next year is their chemistry should improve in the offseason. Um, I mean, people talk about the Drake guy, and I'll, I'll learn his name before next season, I promise. But people say that he has the potential to be AK's first actual NBA prospect. So, you know, that could be all BS. That could just be talk that comes out of people that claim to know people that go to practice or whatever. But if that's even remotely true, you have to think that he can be a serviceable replacement for Saez, and you improve the guard play and bring in some... Uh, there's another guard coming in, um, Devontae Schuler. Uh, he he should be really good. We'll see, I guess, is what I'm saying. There's a chance. There's a chance. All right. But I think it's cohesive defense, Tyree, and then let's see. I'd be curious to see what, seven, what this, this next season – Next season's really big for AK. He's kind of. Well, I think honestly, if he misses the tournament this season and next season, that's that that, that could definitely be it, John. Yeah, I think you know. To, it seems like we always go on these cycles, but I, I think that's, I think that's you know he's had a couple years to recruit to the uh, pavilion at that point, right? I think that's absolutely fair. Yeah, yeah. I mean, fair or not. There, there are people 
that are not us that have spent a lot of money to put Ole Miss basketball in the position it's in right now. And I don't think that they're going to give AK too many more than 13 or 14 seasons to get in his rhythm How with the program. How much does the impending doomsday scenario for football shift more attention towards basketball and or baseball? It's Okay, so here's the question. It obviously shifts a lot of attention, but the question is, do Ole Miss fans cling to the stability of Andy Kennedy in, in response to that? Or do they say, you know, F it, we want to win. Let's, like, at this point, we'll do whatever we, whatever it takes. And so I think something that goes underestimated in these situations is fans like new coaches. New coaches are undefeated, you know? New, new coaches have a chance before they really have to play any games to bring a lot of excitement back to new the fan base. New coaches are cute puppies. Exactly. You know, and, everybody and, loves cute puppies. And, and so, like... I think people underestimate how quickly you can change the mood of a fan base when you change the head coach. And so even if a lot of attention's on basketball, I don't necessarily think that means AK's job is safe. Does that make sense? Do you understand where, where my thought process yeah, went there? I mean, I think AK is, I mean, I don't know. And if they may, if they did went a different direction than AK, I don't think they necessarily would go get a better coach than AK. Maybe no. they get a guy that that connects with the talent they have. I mean, I mean, AK is a solid coach. I mean, he right. could he would get another job somewhere if he wanted one. I mean, I don't doubt that for a second. So I. I think that you could find a coach with a much higher ceiling than AK. That would come to Ole Miss right now. I don't know if I don't know if he'd be ready to go, or you know, obviously it's going to take time to build his roster and all. But I mean, you're telling me we Ole Miss couldn't have hired Mike White before Florida did? I don't know if they could have, honestly, because they were. Were they in the pavilion? They were, they were just. It was the trans the transition phase. The transition year. Yeah, I yeah. I don't know, man. I Ole Miss has the resources to pay a basketball coach like anyone else in the league can. Obviously, the SEC uh, a lot of leveling has, t- has taken place over the last couple of years. Although, should mention that that uh, that athletics budget is about to take about a ten million dollar hit next season. So, I mean, that's an actual consideration now. So, a few questions. One. The Ole Miss basketball job, can they land players via the shoe deals, recruiting, et cetera? It's not like they're at the they're not they're not they're not a tier one Nike school for the for those purposes. That's one thing you gotta look at. Two, right. how loosely how loose can they be on the recruiting trail? Because right. I mean, look at look Okay, so if you want football stuff impact basketball recruiting. I, I think it's okay, John, here's the thing. I, I have some inside info on this. I, I don't think it's necessarily uh, restricted by what you're insinuating that it's restricted by. And I'm basing this off of one comment from a yep. very, very reliable source. But I think you can extrapolate this into what is holding Ole Miss back in recruiting. I was mm-hmm. told that Malik Newman from Mississippi, obviously a big-name player, recruiting battle, that was the first time that Ole Miss boosters had tried to pull money together for a basketball recruit. That was the first one, is what I was told. Interesting. Yeah. So I, I, I think it's more and – and obviously there's some part there of you can't get in trouble if you don't cheat. 
But I think it's more than that. You, you know what I mean? I think it's more the want to do it on the part of the boosters. Yeah. And and I don't know, maybe – and, like, so it, it comes back to what we talk about a lot, John, about how winning is so much more than just the casual fan, what they see in a program. You know, there's so much more going on behind the scenes for years and years and years, uh, even even out in the fan base and, and among the boosters, which is kind of a delineation within the fan base. They yeah. have to be proactive in what they do as well to create a successful program. Uh, so, I mean, maybe AK is being held back by more than just, you know, the tad pad or what have you. I, I don't really know. I don't think that there is that enthusiastic of a network of boosters for Ole Miss basketball, certainly not of the scale of Ole Miss football. But how attractive is the Ole Miss job to somebody? Then? Right, and so that's a factor that is probably very, very real to a coach. Tough that, to see for a fan. I'm going to be quite honest. I mean, Maybe this is ta- maybe this is extrapolating it too far, but if somebody watches the uh, the hostage video last week, I mean, do they sit there and go, "Do I really want to work for yeah, that handful of that AD?" Well, if that's because that was that, that was just stupid. It that was video brutal. was so stupid. Just release a statement. Don't put that video up there. Yeah, if you're gonna put I, that video up, if you're gonna put that video up there, I mean, I, I want I want like Bin Laden's cousin. I I up. see what they were. Th- going for i think you know the if, idea okay the execution no yeah i agree and, here, I agree and, and here's there. the other problem you putting freeze there and in, in, in a united front with vitter and bjork i just don't think that was the move yeah and like, if you and if you want to support your coach but not um but not like push the united front thing too far yeah then just do it through a statement because it'll read differently than it looks optically like freeze could have the uh the same statement he had more or less and everybody would have been like whatever it's a statement i i think i think the reason they went with the video is because if they released a statement and i don't necessarily think they're right but i just i think i understand their thought process which is if you release a statement, you immediately get a thousand conspiracy theories about how it's all lip service. I think they were going for this undelible image of unity, but as you say, they missed the mark pretty badly with the tone of the video, which was basically death row was the tone. I mean, it seemed like they were imminently about to be executed. It did not work, but I think I understand what they were thinking. Yeah. I wonder if it would have made more sense just to have Vitter give an address, and it didn't, and Vitter didn't have to sit there and read off all the all the allegations, but that he kind of gives just a summary of what they. I don't know. I mean, that's what. I also, I the timing was weird. I think they wanted it to come from the university before it came from Pat Forty or Dan Wolken or Robertson or whatever, but I don't know. It seems like you could have taken an extra day. Yeah, to work on it and think about it and all of that. I, it was weird. It was obviously very weird. And like I said, listen to our episode from Saturday. Uh, we talked about all that stuff in a lot more depth. Uh, but John, I want to get to I want to get to uh, what you wanted to talk about, John. I, I love this storyline. Mm-hmm. So uh, go ahead. So, which number will be bigger? Uh, 
Well, okay, we'll just say this. So, so Dan Mullen got a contract extension today, renewed, whatever, whatever the term. Yes, sir. Uh, I think, I think extension. Four, I think extension. Four years, four and a half million. So eighteen wow. million dollars. That's a lot of money for five, five or five wins. Season where they beat T Sun by thirty five, and uh, Leo Lewis snitched. Yep. Uh, so they clearly Mississippi State. I mean, just continuing the. Uh, it, it's a tradition of excellence over there, John. The tradition of the tradition of being obsessed with T-Sun. So to, no, to put I it in perspective, that, but, but here, here's the here's the real Go question. Good. What dollar figure is going to be higher when this is all said and done? Mm-hmm. Mullen's eighteen million dollars that he's getting for uh, pr- for promoting a culture of snitching and executing. Yes, which he did execute. He executed. Or the amount of money, amount of hard costs that this whole investigation has uh, cost Ole Miss. I, it'll probably be similar. Or Ole Miss will pay more, depending. Like, so if Ole Miss gets a two-year bull ban, that's like twenty million dollars at least in lost revenue. Like, that's that's serious money. Yep. Uh, that's a good question, though, John. I want to I want to put in perspective Mullen getting a four-year contract extension. Right now, if you will get in your time machine, go back about 12 or 13 months, Mississippi State refused to extend Dan Mullen's contract after a 9-4 and season because he got embarrassed by Ole Miss on Dak Senior Night and then tried to leave for Miami. All right, yep. so now re-fast forward. They go 6-7, and seven, beat Miami of Ohio in a bowl game narrowly. As you said, they did stomp Ole Miss. More importantly, stomped Ole Miss in the NCAA uh, arena. Leo Lewis in the NOA. John, the timing of this is just insanely craven, is it not? We're talking about five days after the NOA, the names freeze. State's going to do It's just hilarious. It's like, could they be any more transparent with this stuff? Never change. Never change, little brother. Never change. I mean... They kind of kicked our ass on this whole deal. To be to be blunt, so I mean, really they talk. they kicked Ole Miss's ass after getting destroyed on the field uh, three out of four years. Yeah, fair. I mean, they, fair. They they accomplished what they wanted to accomplish. I mean, perhaps it's not like I mean I I think we think this is going to end poorly for Freeze, but it's not over yet. Still, I think they like this more than they do winning the SEC. It's my opinion. <laughs> I mean that's probably true because winning the SEC, you're you're going against thirteen other fan bases. Whereas this, it's one to one. It's I live in Mississippi. I got this one guy at work, maybe my boss, maybe just a guy on my level. He likes Ole Miss. He annoys me. He talks about Freeze's recruiting. He talks about Freeze's Egg Bowl wins. I mean, this is a such a rewarding moment for them. Yeah. It's nice. I mean, it's really good for you, John. You don't have to deal with any of this shit. Exactly. It's not really bad for me either. I mean, I used to work in an office with like like 20 or 30 people. I actually had to deal with state fans. It's just me and a couple other Ole Miss fans now. So we pretty much just, you know, cry all day. It's it's, a lot, it's not bad. Cry all day. Yeah. Eh, whatever. Nah, I mean, when stuff like this happens, the real result is, uh, oh, I guess we'll just spend more time, you know, on our work. <laughs> it, that's, productivity. That's increase. the uh, that's the old Miss fans' response to stuff like this. Is well, I guess I'll just have to go make some more money instead of uh, reading message boards this week. Yeah, we'll take it. We'll take it. 
Um, what else you got on the docket today, John? I think that's pretty much it. I yeah, mean, we, we we hit it. I mean, we want to talk about Mullen. Did we talk? We talked last week about how Chad didn't get invited to the combine. It's garbage. Yeah, I remember. I'm remembering it now. Uh, other football topics. I, no, no defections as of yet from the current team. Oh, the Re- oh, the Rebels Unite campaign. That was. I, I didn't care for that. You didn't care for that. I. You know what? I don't care for John. Is uh is I, and I think you're, you're saying the same thing. Is when the Ole Miss football program is like tweeting out the 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 quotes of current players in tweets about staying. It's just like kind of pathetic and not. It's just very desperate sounding. Just shut up for a week. Yeah, and I mean, so John, I don't what know if you. Like to the Twitter I don't know if you noticed uh, who Freeze was tweeting that today. No, I didn't. But uh, it's directly related to uh, the Ole Miss rumor mill of the last several days. Um, I'm not going to get into it on the show. But I will say that Freeze went out of his way to uh, tweet loving messages to his wife Jill today. Take that as you will, but uh, it kind of rang through in the same sense of the Ole Miss football program tweeting about its current players staying, if, if that makes sense. Hmm. Yeah, uh, if, you're, if that's confusing to you, John, I, I'm going to guess you haven't been on too many Ole Miss message boards lately. No, I'm. Uh, I, I was informed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I was informed. Well, I, I read, and there's a post from on the spirit board saying that any messages about people's personal lives will be uh, deleted. Ah, that's so funny. On the other side, it was the opposite, where uh, every message was about Coach Freeze's personal life. Um, I, I don't know. I, what apparently- do you think the? Uh- the what? McCrady for I don't know what the McCrady freeze relationships like. Probably not great, but at the end of the day, McCrady's still a homer no matter what he wants to say. He's a homer with a homer podcast that at the end of the day wants the best for Ole Miss because it helps his business. Freeze uh Reagan has his heart. Uh Freeze toy Jill. I love you, you're my rock or something like that. Yeah. But uh if if uh, credible rumors are to be believed, someone out there, probably Dan Wolken, has an article ready to go uh, about Coach Freeze's uh, lifestyle, you could say, I guess. Who knows if we'll ever see it, but I, I do think the rumors are credible enough that the article is out there. I don't know if he'll write it or not. I, you know, I, I've, I've heard from a few different people on this, talked to some people about this. I think we all agree these are the types of things that could come out about a coach at any time, but you only see them after a 5-7 and seven season staring down NCAA death. Yeah. That's pretty much how it works. Um, and, I mean, that's college football for you. Stay winning, you're going to have a lot less problems. Amen to that. Yeah. So we'll uh we'll leave it there on that somewhat ominous note. Uh, I think a lot of listeners of our program are probably seeing the same stuff I'm referencing, so they they'll totally understand where this is coming from. Um, but yeah, that's the show for this week, guys. I think a lot of I think a lot of Ole Miss fans feel cheated on. Is all I gotta say. Yeah, I cheated on, misled, uh, whatever you want to call it. I think there's a chance that people that did not go to Ole Miss, people that 
perhaps didn't even spend their entire lives rooting for Ole Miss. I know Freeze claims that he has, but I mean, who's going to fact check him on that? Um, there, are, there are people outside of Ole Miss that currently have Ole Miss in a tough spot. We'll see what happens. We'll see where it all goes. But for now, people like Ross Bjork, Hugh Freeze, and to a lesser extent, Chancellor Vitter, because I think he's kind of just being played because he doesn't really understand what's happening. But people like that are calling the shots at Ole Miss right now. And I don't think it's absolutely clear whose interest they're working in, John. We're going to find out. See, well, that's, I agree with all of that. We're going to find out. Yeah, so that's the, that's the beauty of scandal, huh, John? It can unite uh, disparate voices, even such as ours. Yep. Brings us together in uh, mutual dissatisfaction and unhappiness. Everybody get in the pile, so. <laughs> Back to the pile. All right, so yeah, that's the show for this week, guys. Uh, as I mentioned, hopefully if you missed uh, the, the midweek NOA episode, definitely check that out. Uh, should be up on Land Sharks After Dark by the time you hear this. Hopefully I'll, uh, I'll get Sean to, uh, to post that for us. And uh, listen to us next week. We'll probably get together Monday-ish again next week, talk about the Rebels in Houston, talk about these last couple basketball games, how they shake out, and... Hey, might be talking about a uh, a resignation press conference, or who knows? You, you never know what's going to happen week to week at Ole Miss these days, but you do know Landsharks After Dark is going to be here to break it down for you. Um, as I mentioned, check out our website. Follow us on Twitter at SharksAFTRDark. Uh, subscribe on iTunes. For now, that's going to do it. For John, I'm Justin. Thank you so much for listening, guys. We'll talk to you in about a week. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.